0: Welcome to the Awake Church podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. That's a loaded verse. The heavens are the Lord's, the earth, it's his, but he gave it to us to take care of and everything that happens down here. A lot of people ask me over time, why do bad things happen on the earth? Well, it's not God doing bad things, right? He gave the earth to us. And so when bad things happen, um, it's usually a result of people sinning and doing the wrong thing and causing bad things to happen, right? It's not God doing that. And so part of us being the light of the world is finding places of darkness and being light, changing the things that the enemy's doing here, getting involved and making a difference. That is part of why we're here, partnering with God in doing what he wants to do. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, that last half of the verse, says those who know their God will display strength and they'll take action, which is where we get our motto. Daniel 11:32. 32. Those who know God which we need to do that. Then something else happens. They display strength and they take action. And that is a part of what we get to do, partnering with God, not trusting the government to do everything, fix everything, right? It's really the sons and daughters that the earth is waiting for them to rise up and to do these things, to make a difference, to shine, to share the gospel, to make disciples, to minister to all the other things like The widows and the poor and the orphans and all that. And over time, this has happened. It's pretty amazing. When you look at history, and I love reading about these things, even from the first schools, it was followers of Jesus that started the first schools. You realize that, right? Whether it's for adults or for younger people, especially those who were not of the elite class. It was Christians that started the schools. It was Christians who started orphanages. It was their idea How about the first hospitals? Where do they come from? From believers, followers of Jesus. So you see over time that Christians, followers of Jesus, have been the first ones to jump in where they saw a problem in the world where there's darkness, and they went, no, this earth is ours. Let's make a difference. And they started to make a difference. And that has happened over the last couple thousand years. And we're still doing that. Many of the things that are going on in the world, nearly, I'm gonna say, this is Matt saying, nearly every great thing that's going on for other people probably was an inspiration or there's Christians that are being a part of it that are have their hands involved or maybe it was their idea that got in there and started something. It just has happened over and over. And there are so many ways to take action. A lot of it is through volunteering, being a part of something. A Some lot of it is prayer, take action in prayer, praying for people. Sometimes it's serving in a fellowship like this or in other type of ministry, And then sometimes it's starting something that maybe didn't exist. Jumping in, getting an idea. That happened to me with Hydrating Humanity. I had not planned on being involved in giving water in Africa, and the whole idea came to me. And so I jumped in with that, and others surrounded, and they've taken it and run with it. And so all the way through, it really has been believers doing these things. And I want to share, we have three people today. I do this occasionally. We haven't done this for a year or so. Uh, what I'm calling Take Action Sunday, where I'm gonna um, introduce to you three people from this fellowship who are taking action, who who are doing something that maybe wasn't being done before or they're partnering with someone else to, to do it. And so this is to inspire you, is to inspire us and to see what God can do through us when we say yes and we take action. So the first one is Joe Ramsey. Joe, come on up. Let's welcome Joe. So this is Joe. His wife is Adrian out there. They've got kids. Yes, they've been with us. How long have you been with us at, uh, at Awake?
1: Four years, right? Four in. years. Or so. Five years. Adrian's saying five. Checking she with knows. Adrian.
0: Yeah. Um, and so I want to just ask Joe some questions. We're going to put some pictures up here. Um, you are. Where
1: do you work? So I'm a. I'm I'm with the winston Fire Department. Um, I serve in the position of battalion chief. And you've been um, doing. You've been a fireman for how long? Um, I started out as a volunteer in a little town next to us, Mount Tabor, yep. in 1992. Um, I got hired with the city of Winston-Salem in 1996, and I've been there ever since. Yeah, long time, 26 years. So thanks for
0: serving that way, serving our thanks. community that way. Yeah,
1: <laughs> as a fire tree.
0: Yeah. So I want to ask you, what happened that caused you to want to do some, the thing that you're involved with that we're talking about today that's beyond your job and
1: beyond your family, uh, what happened that inspired you to do that? So um, if you know me, I like to teach. I'm a, I'm a fire instructor. I teach fire rescue, hazmat, all the kinds of things. I, I've been teaching ever since I got with the fire department. I was an instructor even before I went to the fire department. Um, so I'm a teacher. And so in 2006, um, I was, we were attending, uh, went first, and um, we went to Belize to build a church. And there's, there's a picture of it. We were we were building a church and I can remember, um, I can remember riding down the road in Belize city and looking over and seeing the fire department and, and, and God knew my passion for teaching. He knew I love to teach cause I teach everywhere. I collect patches for the departments that I teach for. It's really cool. And and God spoke to my heart that day. And he said, he said, wouldn't it be cool to teach in other countries? I was like, wow. And it was pretty big. So that was 2006, um, so I just sort of carried that and I buried it. And uh, we, um, in 2013, we, um, I, well, I started seeing departments, a new NFPA standard, which NFPA is the, the standards that we, we live by in the fire service for training, for gear, all this kind of stuff. New standard came out that said you can only use your firefighting gear for 10 years, that the fabric or, or whatever is no good past this certain time. The problem was is departments had 50-year-old gear Right, and they weren't they weren't changing houses. So our regulatory people, I can talk about them another day, but um, um, they said, "Well, ten years, this you've got to throw this stuff away." And I saw departments throwing away good stuff, really good gear, good equipment, and I was like, "How cool would this be to to go to other countries?" So I started bringing this stuff home and putting it in my basement. And my wife looks at me and says, "What are you going to do with this stuff?" I said, "I don't know. I just felt like God." god this is something it could go somewhere you know and and i thought that was pretty cool you know so we started storing up matter of fact that was (laughs) that's my garage uh when when we started storing gear and adrian's looking at me like where is this stuff going you know oh because anyway um so through a friend i met a missionary to guatemala and and then he had a friend that said that they were going down. He was, he's actually a citizen of Guatemala. He's a citizen here. He joined the Marine Corps here and actually got a dual citizenship. So that's how I met Byron. And Byron's my partner in this. And um, we, uh, and so he calls me this missionary. he goes, I just thought about you out of the blue. Would you happen to have a set of turnout gear? Because we got these guys going to Guatemala, and they don't have anything. I mean, these guys were going into structure fires with – what we're wearing to church right now. Okay. I mean, they didn't have any turnout gear. So, so I said, I looked at it and I was like, I don't have one set, I got 30 sets. <laughs> and that started it. And and we started sending gear to Guatemala. Well, then, then Columbia found out that we were sending gear to Guatemala and they called us and they said, Hey, can you send gear to Colombia? We're like, sure. So we started sending gear um all over the place. And and it was amazing. I mean, it's so how many how many countries do you give gear to now? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so just about all Central and South America. Um, I think we're in Brazil. I got to ask Byron, my partner. Um, I think we're in Brazil, but I, Peru, Colombia, um, Venezuela. We sent gear to Venezuela. We just recently sent Ukraine. We sent a whole uh, 30 air packs and a whole, about 40 sets of turnout gear to Ukraine because they were wanting gear. Um uh, so, and how, how much do you think you,
0: over oh, these since 2006, I guess, right? <laughs> how much do of oh, gear do you think you've sent?
1: Um, so I asked Byron that about a week or two ago. and I said, what are we at number-wise? He said $30 million. $30
0: million in gear, in gear that have, have gone to. Sent all around the world. It's
1: all Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. And it's, that's the value of gear. Uh, a set of firefighting gear right now, if you go and purchase it, it's about $3,000. Mm. And again, you got 10 years on it. So it was amazing to be able to. Because these guys got nothing. They don't have anything. And yeah. it was really cool to be able to, to, to put... Um, through that, unfortunately, we've gotten to travel to Guatemala to teach. Um, something else we've done, our organization has partnered with Surrey Community College. Um, and we started we started sending firefighters. We, we started bringing firefighters here. So we've trained about 30 firefighters. Excuse me. We've probably done... I want to say two or three hundred firefighters have come to Surrey Community College, partnered with. You'll see the trainings like right there, the the, the fire right there. That's in uh, doing vehicle extrication. Those are firefighters from other countries that have come here, um, and like I said, all Central America, all South America, um, Philippines. We've sent gear to Philippines, Ukraine. Um, it's just crazy, and it, I, I've actually got a new job. Like I, I'm actually doing a part time. I'm I'm the fire and rescue coordinator for Davidson Community College now, so we're getting ready in October to bring another group from Peru here um, and, in Mexico. Um, awesome. So, so that's been awesome. Amazing. So what else do you get to give? We talked about. And- <laughs> so, so it's, it's um so we started, we started doing new Testament Bibles. Yeah. The little Gideon Bibles. And uh, we started putting those in turnout gear and, and, and we like tried to the do pockets
0: them. or something. of or Yes. Or
1: yes. So we would put them in gear and these guys were getting them. And when we would travel down there, I'd take, I'd take Bibles and, and Byron, um, when he when he he would drive this gear through Mexico and and if you guys know anything about Mexico, it's it's really treacherous. It's a, it's a, it's a it's really sad. The cartels rule it now. I think there's two or three big cartels ruling Mexico. Um, it actually saved his life. Uh, our little Gideon Bible saved his life one day. He was he was trying. Can I tell that story? Is that okay? Sure. Um, so so a couple of years ago, Byron was uh, Byron's riding through with his vehicle. And he's got turnout gear, and he's got he's got this little box of Gideon Bibles. So I always wanted him to these New Testaments in Spanish, and and I we always try to put them in gear. And um, when we have them, um, and so you ride as a group through on the Pan American Highway. You don't want to ride by yourself because they'll catch you. And if they stop you, you have to pay them, and I think it's two hundred dollars. And you want to hide all your money in the vehicle and just have two hundred dollars out, and you say, well, that's all I got. 'Cause they'll take every bit of your money. We had another situation where they did that. But um so Byron, so Byron, so he's riding with this group, all of a sudden he blows a tire out because the road's really rough. He blows a tire out, he's he's pulled over on the side of the road, all of a sudden two black vehicles, black SUVs show up behind him. One of them comes out with the MP5, coming up, going, dinero, amigo, dinero. you know, you we got you. So the guy's like, as Byron's going to get his money. The guy's like looking around in his vehicle, and and he sees, he he looks over and he sees in the passenger seat. He says, "Biblia, Biblia, a, a Bible," and it, and they're like, "Yeah." And Byron goes, "Yeah, you, you want one?" He's like, "See, see, like that." And this is like the Northern Cartel uh, group, so I don't, I don't know Mexico that well, but anyway. So so Byron gives him a Bible. Well, when he gives him a Bible, he drops his MP5, like sort of drops it down. The other guys, the other cartel guy says, "Uh-oh, something's going on." They jump out with all their MP5s, okay, and they're ready to shoot Byron, okay. And and the guy goes, the, the 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 first cartel member, he goes, "No, no, 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 amigo." He's got Bibles, and and the crazy thing was, and and they go, "Oh," like that. And Byron's like, "What's going on here? You know, I'm I'm giving this guy a Bible." You know, we, we give, and and he and they go. Can we have Bibles? So so he starts handing out these Bibles to all these cartel guys with these guns, okay. And and it's amazing because Byron's like, why do you? And and what he found out was the books they they've they've burned the books or tore up the books, so their their kids have nothing to read, okay. And now these cartel guys were going to take these books back, these Bibles back, to teach their kids how to read. So how cool is that? And yeah. Amazing. And and I mean that's just yeah. amazing and that's that's God working that's that's all cool and yeah. and so yeah so I, I asked him I said they take you two hundred dollars he's like no no they said you good amigo <laughs> <laughs> so that's amazing so it's pretty cool and we yep. we've had some situations like that um, you know when I was there we we were we were handing out Bibles and 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 giving to people and I I just pray I um, well another thing I uh, when when they come here. When they come here, we give them a set of turnout gear. When they come here to train, we give them a set of turnout gear, and we give them a, a new uh not a new testament, but a full Spanish Bible. And I try to write in every one of them, God's got a plan, God's got a purpose for your life, kind of thing. And and I just pray those Bibles reach someone and it sparks and, Amazing. and you know they can they can yeah. grow to love God and stuff yeah. through it. So what do you
0: hope to see happens in the future with, with this or oh
1: wow. Uh I our goal is to is to touch every continent in the, in the, in the world. Yeah. With, um, like I said, we're now, we're Philippines, South America, Central America, um, Ukraine. Uh, so we're in, I guess that's Eastern Europe. Um, and Africa, we were working on a, a project for Africa for, uh, Liberia and, uh, COVID tore it apart. And, uh, so we've not been able to get that stuff there. Um, so, so that's, that's part of it. Um, I just remember when I remember it, it dream, it sort of dreaming the dreams, I found God just, God will throw stuff in your mind, and, and it'll be so much bigger than, yeah. and it's like, God, how can I do this? And it's not about me doing it. It's about being that puzzle piece. You know, and, and as you see pictures, this is not just Joe Ramsey. Yeah. Joe Ramsey is a little bitty yeah. part of something, but but it, it was starting that. It was starting that, being that little puzzle piece to, I mean, this is hundreds of guys. We've got four offices, uh, Columbia, Guatemala, um, we've got offices in these countries of Global Gear Initiative now, and, yeah. and, and Mexico, and, and they distribute the gear and stuff, and we don't charge these guys. The only thing we charge them is if we have to mail it to them, if we can't get it to them.
0: Yeah, so does the gear all just come from this area, or does it come from other areas?
1: <laughs> so, here? so here's the crazy thing. It started out just this area um, all over sort of North Carolina and Southern Virginia. Um, Byron's actually going next week to New Hampshire to pick up gear um, Pennsylvania, they, they contact him from all over the place. And he goes, we got a, we got a cargo trailer and, and he just drives the cargo trailer up and okay. I know where he's being cause he runs through the tolls and it, the bill comes <laughs> to me. So, yeah.
0: you know, that's amazing. Uh, and so you figure lives are being saved. Too is these guys are wearing gear going into fires instead of not having anything. Absolutely, as well as the gospel getting to them and the Bibles, and so yeah, it's and, amazing.
1: And we also do extra. I mean, now we've got departments donating extrication tools like jaws of life. Yep. So we we've got like twenty sets of jaws of life now that are going to these departments. They're they're saving lives on their yeah on their in their in their organizations because they didn't they had hand tools they were they were cutting cars with screwdrivers and right and ratchet sets and stuff like that. And now they've got jaws of life to do so we've i guess we've sent probably 30 or 40 sets of tools to other countries amazing. so it's, it's been amazing and like i said i mean it's just cool to be a part you know it's, it's cool i mean i never would have dreamed to be this big yeah. i i i really yeah. not and it's yeah well you thank know. you for doing that joe absolutely thank you for stepping yeah. out and
0: yeah, yeah awesome thank you lord beautiful, beautiful. yeah awesome thank you i love that All right, so next, Allison. Where's Allison? Come on up. This is Allison Carlisle. I'm not interviewing Allison. I'm going to cut her loose. So this, you know, you guys know Allison. She does a lot of announcement videos for us. And if you've met her, she is like a bundle of joy and sunshine. Wherever she is, she just, she brings Jesus and sunshine. She's a school teacher, been here many years. And uh, just... uh, so thankful for her being a part of this family, and she's going to share about what she does. It's Allison.
2: Hi, everyone. So today I'm going to share about Brownsboro University, and um, I'm so happy to be doing that because it's my passion. And if you have been involved with Brownsboro in any form, like praying for us, serving for us, um, giving towards us, would you please stand? Awesome. Can we give you a round of applause? Thank you so much. Um, And also I want to thank Matt because you guys have supported us um, monthly and we could not do this without you. so. So let me tell you why we do Brownsboro University. And that is to connect with children right in our area and give them an opportunity for discipleship. So to be discipled, to be loved, to belong, and to hopefully know Jesus, and also to have academic support. That is why we do what we're doing, and I'll tell you what it is. Brownsboro University, it sounds like a college, but it's actually not, <laughs> and it is um, a youth outreach program, and it is—this um, is so funny. Okay. I can do this. Um so <laughs> so it's a youth outreach program and it reaches children from about 4 or 5 till roughly 12 but it can go up to 18. Um we just haven't had that many kids of that age coming of the age. So what it is is um it star- it started <laughs> it started off in 2014 and it started with Wendy who used to be Matt's assistant for a long time, and Terrence, who is like a celebrity in Winston because he's just a community builder. Some of you guys may know these people, but they came together and they said, let's get to know this community around us. And so they had block parties um, at Colony Apartments, which is on Brownsmore Road, which is literally the road parallel to us. And they brought tables and they ate with the families there. And then they realized that there was a learning discrepancy between the children there and other children in the surrounding communities. And they said, that's, that's wrong. We should help these children academically too. So then they incorporated tutoring, and, um, and then they, they got to be under Love Out Loud. Has anyone heard of Love Out Loud? Okay, it's awesome. So definitely look into that if you haven't already. But Love Out Loud is an umbrella of nonprofits, and so Brownsboro University fits under that. And so that's great for a lot of reasons, including the fact that we don't have to do our own paperwork or our own bookkeeping, which is awesome. Um, So we're part of that. And then, um, so it happened, it started in 2014, but then over the years, um, it's just transformed into a little bit of a different thing. So in... 2020, we had been using a van from Winston-Salem first, but then um, we couldn't use the van anymore. But then, so now we go to Colony Apartments on Brownsboro Road, and we, um, because it used to be here. It used to be here. <laughs> it used to be here. And then now we go over there, and we eat, um, we do um, a Christ-focused lesson for the children, and then um, we also try to do academic supplemental activities to boost their their brains during the summer and throughout the school year. However, it's a little bit challenging with the tutoring part because often the homework is not assigned or not that we know of, <laughs> um, and it is often online if if they do have homework. So, we have been just kind of like a little weak in that area, but we're hoping for fruit anyway, because that's, that's what we're hoping for. However, um, when I asked Matt what we could possibly talk, what, what tidbits he had for what I could share with you all, he did include testimonies from the kids. And I tell you what, we haven't, we haven't seen many testimonies yet. Um, and that, and that's honestly what we ha- we just haven't seen testimonies. But that's okay because we believe that even though we might not see the fruit of what we're of what we're doing, it could it could bear fruit one day. And um, so that is why we show up is to pour into these children and hope that that they can experience, um, God, and, um, yeah, we just, we just, because it's, it's tough out there. Like Matt said, I'm a fourth grade teacher, and it's just, um, the things that kids are going through these days is really tough, so, like, drama, you know, confusion, and lying, and, um, Oh man, comparison, anxiety, depression, suicide. It's just it's just heavy on these little ones, you know. So we want to make a way for these children to have truth with them and love and like a place of belonging. Cause who doesn't want that, right? So yes, we're just we're just glad to be showing up. And consistency is something that's so important, especially for people of my generation, just, just to like keep coming. For them. Um, and it's something for them to look forward to. So I love it. I'm so glad to be sharing with you. I know I realize it's been a little bit choppy, but I just really, I really love what we do. And I want to invite you all to be a part. And um, you can do that by praying. We would love that, and you can do that by coming. So I will be out there to, to talk to you and you can sign up with your information. But how we can, what, what it will be like is you'll come and there's about 10 to 20 children who show up on average. And again, it's at Colony Apartments on Brownsboro Road. And we meet every other Tuesday from 4.45 to 6.45. But if you, if you can't make it for that entirety, that's okay. We just welcome you to come any bit of it and just try it out. Um, you don't have to commit right away. (laughs) You just show up and it's just relational. It's just, you get to know these kids. You just ask them questions and they're great. They're really fun. And, um, if that's not your natural thing to build relationship, we do have other opportunities to help, like such as loading tables into David's truck, because I got to mention David Hofstetler, Melissa Brown, and I are the ones who lead it. So, um, Yes, so David is the person who loads the truck with his tables. Anyways, that's just a way that you can help. And um, a way that you can pray that I thought of is um, 432 Brownsboro U. (laughs) So anytime you see the clock and it's 432, you can just think Brownsboro U. So I'm going to say 432. (laughs) 432. (laughs) Awesome. And um, I think that that about covers it. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Allison. And, you know, for years it was here in our building, and those Thursdays, I remember, because there'd be about 30 kids in here with all these volunteers, meeting with them one-on-one, helping them with their schoolwork, and they share the gospel, they have games, they eat pizza. And I know that they may not have testimonies necessary from these kids, there's been a huge impact. There's no doubt about it, from hearing the gospel to having someone love and care for them and help them with their homework. So thank you, Allison, and the whole team for doing that. Anybody else who wants to volunteer and and sew into these kids' lives would be amazing. All right, Scott. Scott is next. So you guys know Scott. Scott is up here regularly and has been a part of us for, man, I have no idea, 15 years or so probably. Uh, He and his wife, Tanya, they are seven children, uh, which you just have one at home right now, right? And um, so Scott, just a little bit about him uh, he grew up on the mission field uh, in Australia, and he was a missionary in Brazil, on the Amazon. He's done lots of things. He was overseeing, I don't know how many orphanages, and probably 60 orphanages around the world, uh, traveling around the world in a mission organization for, for many years. Um, the building we're in right now, uh, 10 years ago, uh, we didn't have any money as a church, and we rented this facility, and so we needed to build this out. All the walls that you see, especially behind us, that one was there, and this one was there. Other than that... This was not. The stage wasn't here. We built everything, and Scott was the volunteer general contractor for that, and so we worked together for those six months to to do all this, and um, he is a co-leader of the Men's Bible Study, the Forge, that meets here before service every Sunday, as well as many, many other things. He's a teacher and uh, really a, a missionary at heart and is always involved in helping people's lives, and so we really appreciate Scott, but he does something else that Many of you don't know about, so I wanted him to share about that here this morning. It's all yours.
3: Thank you very much. You can collect your $20 after the service. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was traveling to different countries doing missions work in orphanages, and most of you that have been here any time know kind of how all that happened. And I had a very close friend of mine who had, had been a, a supporter and had been a real cheerleader for, for the different missions works we had done come to me. And he said, Scott, you know, you're going all around the world to, to teach people and to, to help people. And do you know that they're in our backyard? And I, I kind of, you know, looked at him and he said, I, I want to put a thought in your mind. I've got between 50 and, a, and 150 employees, depending on the time of the year. And about half of them are Latino and the other half are American. And uh, we need somebody to come and preach and teach and, and share with them about Jesus and, and uh, his words. They're a bunch of heathens and they, they need somebody to, to, to show them something. And I remember thinking, well, I don't even know how that would work, and I travel, and I I mean, I I just don't know how that would work. He said, well, if you'll you'll get up early and come early in the morning, um, you could leave your house a little after five, (laughs) and uh, you could come on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And, uh and we'll we'll start maybe at seven and you could go from seven till seven fifteen or seven thirty and then you could go you know to work or do whatever and if you gotta travel no problem no no problem we'll we'll work with you on that you know we'll if you got to be out of town it's it's not a big deal and I remember thinking getting up at that hour and then trying to speak and then speaking in an environment where there's no p a system and and it's kind of awkward. I don't know. Roll the video, please.
2: Jesus, if
3: you can do anything. And so on a loading dock, amongst piles of seed and mat, with workers standing around voluntarily, Sometimes 50, sometimes 150, literally. Uh, they come and they go. I started trying to share simple messages. I speak Portuguese as my second language. Spanish is a third language. I learned Spanish only because I worked with a lot of Latinos. Uh, construction company, I, I had a lot of Latinos. Latinos. And so my Portuguese kind of overlaps my Spanish. They laugh and say I speak Portuguese. Spanglish. (laughs) It's not good Spanish by any sense of the means. But there was an opportunity. And so I went. And initially I'd show up out there and I'd try and show up early and I'd say, Lord... I don't know what you want me to share this morning, but I need you to give me a message. I tried preparing the day before, and it it just didn't seem to apply it. It didn't seem to work as well. And so I would go out there literally and try and be there 30 minutes early and say, okay, God, what is it we're supposed to share? And God would start unpacking these verses that, that had real meaning for the day, the specific day. And you'd share and you'd see people who, the week before, were literally ready to kill each other, start having tears run down their cheeks. And you'd see guys that had abandoned their children start changing their heart and their mind. And God began to work. We started seeing people come to know the Lord. Over the years that I've been there, I guess 12 maybe. Um, We dropped the Wednesdays because Wednesdays a lot of times a good portion of the group would be out of town on projects working out of town. But on the Mondays and Fridays, I would share and I'd go through who God is. And I'd go through all about Jesus. And I'd go through what is it like to be a good father, using Jesus as an example. And what's it like to be a good husband, What does God want from you? What's his plan for your life? And people would come and people would go. And guys would get saved. I think we're up to about 90 now in that 12 years. And sometimes you get to know them, and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you'd be going somewhere and you'd hear, Pastor Douglas, Pastor Douglas or Pastor Scott. Uh, if they are from Brazil or from some of those countries, they use Douglas because Scott there was a big brewery and nobody wants to be Pastor Budweiser. So uh, they would use Douglas, you know, and if they were from Mexico or some of the other countries, it would be Pastor Scott. And you'd look and you'd see a face and you'd realize here was somebody that, you know, and and you talk to him, what, what's going on? And well, I, I got saved on the dock out there and started going to church, and this is my wife, and here are my kids. And you'd see lives changed. Probably some of the hardest things. I remember one time we had a stretch where almost every week, guys were getting saved, and it was so exciting. And then I got a call. One of your guys was in a car wreck, and he was killed. The dad called me. Would you come and we don't even know what to do. Tanya and I went over and went to the house, not knowing what to expect. And per the Latino culture, they had erected a a tent in the backyard and people came from everywhere. They didn't know how to connect or contact a funeral home. They didn't know what any of that was about. And we went and helped them through that. And then we went and sat with them and they all looked and said, "What, what can you tell us? That son had accepted the Lord one month before on the dock. We could say, if you know Jesus, you will see him again. Because see, God promises a home in heaven. And when we're absent from this body, we're present with the Lord if we know him. And bring hope and saw people say, we need this. We want to know this. We actually had the funeral here. I looked for a picture for it. There was probably 1,200 Latino people in this congregation. They had balloons everywhere. I didn't know the culture was to release balloons at a certain time in the funeral. And I kept looking around, and there were hundreds and hundreds of balloons. And I was like, who brings a balloon to a funeral? And they cried, and they laughed, and they heard God's word. And they went out, and they released their balloons. And the dad said, I got saved two years ago on the dock. And I'm going to see Javi, my son, again. And it brings me hope. And he actually ministered to other people. Now, that's not because of something I can do. I just don't have great ability, especially not in Spanish. But you see, God doesn't look for great ability. He's not looking for somebody who is exceptional. What he's looking for is somebody who's available. Availability. And if you're willing, if if you're willing to say, okay, I can't do a lot, but I'm going to give you what I got. Do what you will with it. Try and use it, Lord, please. What he does is he starts amplifying. And he takes what's not, Abilities you don't have, and and he gives them to you. Or he helps people understand you when you can't speak good. And he helps them see things. And before long, people's lives are changed. If you're a business owner, you have an opportunity. You can't, under North Carolina law, force anybody to go to a Bible study. But you can have a Bible study in your business, and you can say, hey, if you'd like to come... This is what time it is. You're welcome to come. Nobody comes to the studies that I lead by force. But they sit there, and sometimes you think they're not listening, and sometimes it looks like they're sleeping. And then you get the call. What did you mean when you said this? Explain it to me. What do I do? My wife just left me. Another time, and I actually shared the testimony here at church, the hardest man on that dock wouldn't even initially shake my hand. I'd go around and introduce and shake my hand, go around the room, and he would literally look the other way when I came up. I'd put my hand out, and he would just look the other way. Hard, hard. Hated anything Christian. Came... When our son was killed in a car wreck, came here to the funeral, and then he called me and he said, my, my father-in-law has got COVID and he had a stroke and he's on life support and they say there's no brain activity. He's in the COVID board at Moses Cone and they're going to pull the plug would you, would you go and pray? And I remember thinking, it's the COVID ward. <laughs> There's no brain activity. I mean, if you can get me permission, I'll go. But I'm sure they're not going to let me in. A week went by. The man was still hanging on. said, we got permission. Would you go? I remember I was working in Charlotte. Got off work and... Drove all the way to Moses Cone. Went to the front desk of Moses Cone and said, I'm supposed to see this person in the COVID ward. And they said, oh, no, no, you can't go in there. And I said, well, I, they said, you know, they got permission now. And I said, okay. I took a picture of the front and I sent them a family a text. Started walking back to the car. And all of a sudden I heard a, sir, sir, wait a minute, sir, sir. We, we called the administrator and they said you could go in. Oh, joy. <laughs> And I put on the mask and I put on the stuff and I walked into this COVID ward where this man on life support was. I actually had even showed a picture up here. I prayed with him. I felt like, you know, I'm here. I'm going to pray with him. And as I was praying, I felt like I was supposed to go through the plan of salvation. And, and so I did. I went through the simple Romans road for all who sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, for the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 3, 23, 5, 8, and 9, Romans uh, 6, 23. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, you will be saved for with a mouth. And I I read these verses to him in Spanish. And it was interesting that I, I, I talked to him and I said, I know that... You're in a coma, and I know that um, you're not supposed to be able to hear. There's no brain activity, but but God doesn't expect you to do what you physically can't do. But if you truly believe, I think the confessed part, he's going to count your faith as righteousness according to the Bible. And for the first time, his head with the breathing tubes and everything, his eyelash fluttered. People in a coma do things like that sometimes. I didn't know if it was anything real or not, but I finished praying and then I videoed a short prayer with him to send to the family just to give some comfort. I went home. The young man called me and said, "You know, they're going to pull the plug tomorrow." And I remember thinking, well, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I wasn't happy about it. I wasn't joyful. I drove a long way. It was late at night. I was tired. I went to a COVID ward. And then um, he called me the day after. They pulled the plug. And uh, he he didn't stop breathing. They said he would stop breathing within minutes. And then three days later, I got a call. And they said, he he's still alive. And then five days later, he, he woke up. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Two weeks after that, I got a call. He wants to see you. And I remember thinking, well, okay. Um, And so I drove from out to their house. And here the man that was in a coma met me at the front door and gave me a hug. Now that comes not from ability. It comes from availability. Every one of you has a sphere of influence. People that you are marked to touch. And maybe it's sharing and preaching and teaching, and maybe it's loving on, and maybe it's taking meals to, and maybe it's putting an arm around, and maybe it's cutting the lawn, and maybe it's who knows what, but every one of you have the opportunity to touch somebody in your sphere of influence because we are all supposed to take action. And as you do, God amplifies and grows. I want to close with this favorite passage, Romans 10, 14, and the first part of 15. But how can people call on him for help if they've not believed And how can they believe in one they've not yet heard of? And how can they hear the message of life if there is no one there to proclaim it? And how can the message be proclaimed if messengers don't go? Every one of you
0: are a messenger. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.